This is most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 18th chapter. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Peter, why did you ask, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? You just heard Jesus talk about guarding the faith of others. You see someone you know who does something that jeopardizes their connection to Jesus. You care, and so you speak to that person personally, lovingly, tactfully. So, Peter, since Jesus already talked and taught you about that, why are you asking this question about forgiving someone else? Oh, wait. I think I know. You asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Peter, do you struggle with that like I do? 
We both know, Peter, that the Lord Jesus forgives all sins of all people of all time. But what happens when someone sins against me? What if it's personal? What if it's not a one-time, oops, I'm sorry, but a pattern of mistreatment that is repeated again and again and again, or a sudden hurt that is so deep and so painful that I'll never, ever forget it. Are we supposed to go to an abuser, to a criminal who is not willing to admit it, who is not willing to own the error, who is, has not and will not say, well, I did it, and say to those, those people and that person, I forgive you? Peter, if you struggle with that, I do too. The Lord Jesus does not remain silent. He answers that question with a story about forgiving debt. It's the gospel for this day from Matthew chapter 18. If you'd care to follow along, you may do so, of course. In the service folder, it's on page 8, Matthew 18, or you can use a pew Bible or one of your devices, Matthew chapter 18. And after the opening question Peter has, we cut in with the story at verse 23. A king wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. 10,000 bags of gold? How much is that? Guestimates range from 3 million to 3 billion. Let's just say a lot. Story continues at verse 25. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. The first point that we want to learn from Jesus about forgiving those who sin against us might be so obvious that we zip right past it, and yet it may be the most important. And here it is. The servant was not surprised. It's not as though he said, What, king, I'm in debt to you? Are you pulling my leg? Who knew? I, I had no idea. Nor was he arrogant. I don't care if I've got a debt to you. I'm going to live my life the way I want. Nor was he lying or trying to cover up or slide out from the accusation. Well, you know, I juggled the books a little bit and took a little of your money, but it wasn't that much. Or, you know, my kids are really, really sick and the medical bills are just huge. So I skimmed a bit off the top from your profit margin in order to get by. No, this servant begged, pay, be patient with me and I will pay back everything. No matter how many tears he shed, he knew what he had done wrong and he knew he was in deep, deep trouble. When you hear the word debts, what comes to mind? Usually, first of all, it's what? Money, right? But that word debt also applies in our relationship with God in spiritual matters 
We're born into this world as debtors to God. It's as though the almighty king of the universe has a ledger with your name on top, and he's got one with my name on top too, and he's keeping track of every false move. From the moment we began to inhale the vapors of this earth until the, our last breathing out, God sees, God knows, and God records. Imagine if the Lord in heaven above has such a ledger for you and for me, and he looks and he says, ah, there is laziness. Oh, there is lack of love for others. Oh, look at that. There is indifference to my word and worship. There is misuse of my name. And if anyone would begin to think, well, my ledger really doesn't have many black mark check marks on it because I really, as good as God would expect me to be, then comes a black check mark for pride, even for one sin, for one check mark on the ledger God has for each of us. The debt is separation from God's love without end. The psalmist wrote, the ransom for a life is costly. The payment, no payment is never enough. We owe God everything. And like the wicked servant, the story Jesus told, we would end up helpless and hopeless unless there's some kind of payment. We'd end up only with doom and disaster. In ancient times, it was the custom for a king to face a debtor who was unable to repay and then sell and dispose of that debtor and all that he had, including his wife, his children, and all of his possessions. But here's the shocker in the story Jesus told. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Did you notice, by the way, no strings attached? The king did not say, I will cancel your debt if you are really sorry first. He didn't say, I'll cancel your debt if you kiss my ring. He did not say, I will cancel your debt if you go out and work like crazy to earn my favor. No, he just canceled the debt. And something else, he canceled all of it. The wicked servant didn't have to pay back even one penny of the 10,000 bags of gold. His ledger was erased fully and completely. And here's the stuff that can get you a little fladubered. God did that for you. And he did that for me. He canceled our complete debt of sin. And it's not as though God is saying, did you notice, well, I'll cancel your debt of sin if you're sorry first. He doesn't wait around for us to ask for it even. God doesn't wait around and say, well, I want you to go out and work like crazy to earn my favor. No, he just canceled our debt, the whole thing, not part of it, not just a few sins, all of them. Our ledger of debt to God has been erased fully and completely. How is that possible? You don't. The Bible clearly says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, purifies us from every sin. 
Jesus the righteous one is the atoning, the paying sacrifice for our sins, but not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world without any merit or worthiness on our part. God has removed our transgressions from his sight as far as the east is from the west. If you never heard this story before, how would you expect the wicked servant to react? If you never heard it before, I don't know about you, but I would expect that this servant would get on his knees and try to hold back the tears of joy just streaming down his cheeks and grab a hold of the king's hand and look him in the face and say, Oh, king, how can I ever think? I'll never be able to repay. In fact, I can't. You have canceled my debt. Oh, I can hardly. I don't have enough words for this to say thank you. I will devote my entire life to doing whatever you say. I owe you my unending thanks. That's not what happened. When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. When the man begged for mercy, just as this wicked servant had done before the king, the wicked servant refused and had him thrown in prison. This turn of events takes our breath away. How could that wicked servant do that after the king had done so much for him after he had canceled completely the entire debt of 10,000 bags of gold. The unpayable huge debt canceled, and yet he goes out and wrings the neck of a fellow servant who owes him a pittance compared to what he owed the king. Obviously, we would say that this wicked servant is not demonstrating any kind of behavior that shows his gratitude and thankfulness. No wonder the king said, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? How could you tra treat my mercy like dirt? And he handed this wicked servant over for torture. What does it feel like when you make the last payment on a car loan or bring the Visa or MasterCard bill down to zero. <sighs> or stop and think of this. Which would bring you more joy, to have your debt to a mortgage company or a bank canceled or your debt of sin to God? I said it before, I'll say it again. Jesus canceled all of our debt of sin. Lord, how can we thank you? We don't have enough words to say thank you. We are walking on air. We're walking on sunshine. Whoa! 1983, the Katrina and the waves. Lord, we, we will devote our entire life to saying thank you to you. We owe you our unending thanks. We join with the psalmist, Lord, how can I ever repay our debt to you? Can't. How can we thank you for all your goodness to me. Our life is all thanks. A dentist moved to a new town, a new neighborhood. He soon found out that the neighborhood kids were littering on his lawn and riding their bikes over his yard and through his freshly planted flower bed. One day, the leader of this gang of kids was brought to his front door by the mother because he had such a horrible toothache. The dentist said, I'd be happy to take a look. He did, and reported it's going to be very expensive. 
The young boy said, hey, no, we can't afford it. The dentist convinced the mom, look it, I'll take him to my office, it'll be okay, I'll take care of it, and he did. Never sent a bill. Completely forgot about it. And the next summer, when the dentist was on an extended vacation, he came back to find that his lawn and his garden were immaculate and in perfect condition, cared for by the boy whose tooth he fixed. God is the dentist. We are the boy. Which brings us full circle to the Apostle Peter's question, Lord, how can I ever thank you enough? And then, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? And we keep in mind Jesus' story. Do we offer to everyone the blanket of Jesus' forgiveness who has forgiven all sins of all people of all time? Of course we do. We announce that to everyone we meet and everyone who we encounter, even those who sin against us. But I can think of three scenarios where we would hold off that announcement of forgiveness, at least for a time. For one, we would hold off, at least for a time, offering forgiveness to someone who does not know they need it. That would be like Pastor Scharf greeting you on the way into church this morning and saying to you, I forgive you for what you did to me. You'd look at him and say, what did I do to you? Secondly, we would hold off, at least for a time, offering forgiveness to someone personally if they're arrogant and say, well, I don't care. And you can see that in their attitude of no remorse, no gratefulness or thankfulness for the forgiveness that you're offering. We'd hold off for a while until they grasp how much they need it. And thirdly, we would hold off, at least for a time, offering forgiveness to someone who's lying or covers it up or tries to slink out of the accusation, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Like the Apostle Peter in the courtyard of the high priest, the night Jesus was on trial and going to be eventually then condemned to death, Peter didn't appreciate Jesus' forgiveness until after he kept Jesus' eye moved from one courtyard to the other, and he said, then when Jesus came back to life, the Lord met him personally, looked him in the eye, put his hand on Peter's shoulder and said, Peter, you know what you did. I know what you did, but that's why I went to the cross for you. I still love you, and I forgive you. And so unless there's any one of those three scenarios where we're holding off for a time until the person knows how much they need it, how many times do we forgive a brother and sister who sinned against us? Now we're in the territory of Jesus 77 times. And isn't that what Martin Luther wrote in his small catechism 500 years ago? We pray that God would not look on our sins or on their account deny our prayers. For we are worthy of none of the things for which we ask, neither have we deserved them. But we ask that he would grant them all to us by grace. For we daily sin much and deserve nothing but punishment. And so we too will forgive from the heart and gladly do good to those who sin against us. Do you want to get better at forgiving? Fix your eyes on Jesus and what he has done for you. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.